Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Good day to all. My name is Dr. Elijah Sadafel. I'm ecstatic that you've decided to join me for the podcast And I'd like to officially welcome you to What Christians Should Know, Volume Zero, where we provide crucial answers to critical questions about belief. Today's episode is part three, which answers the critical question, what if I am not certain? So let's get started. The central point that I am going to explain in this podcast is that, as I have said many times before, the Christian walk is a step-by-step incremental process. The reliable promise of a trustworthy God made clear through Christ is what animates this process. So if you feel unsure or uncertain now, you ought not to feel dismayed because that uncertainty is merely a stepping stone in a march that strives after resilient certainty and total assurance. Furthermore, feeling uncertain does not make you inadequate or unfit, nor does it give believers a free pass to wallow in the deep waters of insecurity without an intent to seek clarity. Rather, it entices Christians to work out their own salvation and pursue an eternally certain God. The last episode addressed the question of if faith was compatible with doubt. So, you may now be wondering how uncertainty is any different from doubt or lack of belief. The answer is that doubt tends to be a yes or no condition, like pregnancy, whereas certainty lies on a continuum. People, for example, either believe that Jesus is the Son of God or they doubt this fact. Yet, other folks can be more certain or less certain about some of the things that Jesus said or some of the truth claims the Bible Bible makes. This interpretation finds validation in how certainty is defined. For example, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines certainty as a quality or state of being certain. This quality can be low or high, pointing to less certainty and more certainty, respectively. What I must also mention is that human beings live in a world that is highly uncertain, yet we comfortably go about our lives seemingly without the crippling burden of uncertainty in the midst of this highly unpredictable reality. In fact, the only thing that is absolutely certain about life is death. When I prescribe patients antibiotics, for example, I am never 100% certain that they will work, yet I prescribe them anyway with reasonable certainty. Even more, the patient cannot be totally sure that they will be okay, but they walk away agreeing to adhere to the medication regimen. In the world of surgery, procedures are done every day without total certainty, and people still go ahead in the operating room. In fact, the lack of total certainty is never a reason not to operate. People get married without being 100% certain that it will work out in the end. The other morning, I had a problem with our air conditioner, so I called a repairman. Was I absolutely certain that he would show up the next day? No, but I planned my morning around his anticipated visit. People buy insurance because they are not certain that they will not be the victims of theft. People can't even be 100% certain that the sun will rise in the morning, but they go to bed without the felt anxiety over a dark tomorrow. The point I'm trying to make with all of these examples is that in our everyday lives, certainty is not absolute, and in the realm of the day-to-day matters of faith, 
those rules do not change. The fact of the matter is, we may feel uncertain about God or what God says in the Bible, but these are things that are certain, independent of how we feel about them. Take the example of Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to chapter 4 verse 17. After he encountered God who appeared to him by the burning bush, Moses had no room for doubt since he used his senses to directly witness the wonder of a bush before him that was on fire yet was not consumed. Even more, he had a direct conversation with the Lord. Then God told Moses, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That was from Exodus 3.10. In the subsequent conversation, God basically told Moses, Go, and Moses says something like, Well, but I'm not exactly certain about. In fact, Moses poses so many uncertainties with questions like, What if they don't believe me? that the text says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses in chapter 4 verse 14. The point here is that even the great figures in the Bible who were titans of faith were still human and succumbed to uncertainty in their relationship with God. As we read the narrative in the Bible, it is clear that ultimately Moses was certainly certain about God, but at times was uncertain about how God was going to interact with his reality. This is a pressing point for modern Christians to learn from because the Bible makes very clear all the things that we can be absolutely certain about. Some of these things I will discuss shortly. In contrast, the Bible is silent on many unique and specific realities of modern life, like your job, where to live, a mate, your health, or your finances. So, while we may be uncertain about temporal things, we can possess total certainty of eternity in the hands of a timeless, and loving God. So what are the things in our walk that we can be certain about? The first certainty is judgment. In the end, all those who don't hear will feel. People can run from God, mock God, or even deny that God exists, but no one can escape the certainty that judgment is coming. In the final judgment, impenitent sinners will receive what is just, the wrath of God. This is bad news. The good news is that repentant believers who have faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior will be declared not guilty and instead of condemnation receive divine favor and an eternal inheritance in a renewed and perfect creation. For scripture references, please refer to Psalm 96 verses 10 to 13, Romans 4, and Revelation chapter 21. Let's take a look at what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3 verses 9 to 14. The King James Version says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, 
and blameless. When the Apostle Peter wrote these words thousands of years ago to the first century church, he was writing to a group of believers who had developed the false impression that because of the presumed delay in Jesus coming back, God was not going to judge. May it never be. What these believers failed to realize is that not only is God's sense of time remarkably different than ours, but he is patient and wants to permit ample time so that people can come to repent. The centuries that have passed should not fool anyone. We can all be certain that final judgment is coming. No one can be certain when it is coming, only that it is coming. We can be certain that God is patient so that all his chosen elect can turn from their evil ways, repent, and profess their faith in Christ. We can also be certain that although God is eternal, his patience is not. This entices the church to recognize that the proclamation of the good news is time-sensitive because only God holds tomorrow in his hands. Certainly, judgment will rectify all the injustice and evil in the world through the execution of God's perfect justice. Our hope for the vindication of God's purposes therefore rests not in this life, but on the other side of death. Second certainty in our Christian walk is salvation. Predestination means that God predetermines everything before it happens. Election refers to predetermining the elect, or those people who are chosen to be saved. And there's an entire podcast on predestination and election, episode number 2.6. When some people hear the word predestination, they tend to think of John Calvin or some offensive idea that says no matter what some people do, they are always going to hell. Yet what many Christians fail to realize is that election, or God's unconditional, irrevocable choice, imparts upon believers a marvelous gift, the certainty of salvation. In other words, if God has chosen you, absolutely nothing can revoke that choice. This unshakable certainty from a sovereign God gives us security and a trustworthy guarantee from a steadfast promise keeper. We have certainty because of election, because of the agent of election, God. As Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 12 says, He chose us according to the kind intention of His will, according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Because God is timeless and eternal, this decision to elect us happened before the beginning of time. Election is an important concept because it clarifies the start of God's grace in dealing with particular individuals. It signals that before we were even born, God's grace was already in effect and had a predetermined plan for our lives. That plan ends in glorification or being raised from the dead in new imperishable bodies, having eternal life, and being in heaven with the Lord forever. As Romans 8 verses 29 to 30 says, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What this beautiful passage in Romans tells us is that before we were thoughts in our parents' minds, God already knew us and had a plan for us. He is the one who was acting, is acting, and will act to glorify us. So while we may be uncertain of many things in between, we stand on the firm knowledge that before the foundation of the world, God's plan was already in place 
And when God has a plan, there is nothing that can ever stop his plan from being fulfilled. That includes his plans for you. I wanted to take a brief break and let everyone know about a podcast I recently launched called Truthfinder, which searches for clarity and meaningful answers to some of life's most perplexing and toughest questions. Questions such as, is there proof that God exists? Why is there something rather than nothing? And what's the point of evil? So once again, the name of the podcast is called Truthfinder. You can find links to it at wcsk.org as well as truthfinder.org. Listen, subscribe, and tell someone about it. Back to our program. So the third certainty is God himself. Solomon, the wisest man in the entire Bible, summed up the allegedly certain pleasures of life in one word, vanity. In Ecclesiastes 2.11 it says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. This assertion carries much weight because Solomon was a very rich king who did not deny himself anything. Even more, Solomon did not have everyday problems like you and I. I presume that if he did have an everyday problem, one of his servants would take care of it or he would either buy it away or overpower it. My point is that there are many things that we are very uncertain about that he was very certain about. An example is relationships. The Bible says that Solomon had hundreds of wives. It was only after chasing all of life's pleasures that he realized he was simply chasing after the wind. As it relates to modernity, people may think that temporal things will bring them certain happiness, security, and peace of mind, but none of these things last. So you could, for example, be certain about the $1 billion in your bank account, but when you die, you can't take this certainty with you. What Solomon was trying to tell us is that natural things can give us transient or illusionary certainty, but when we all die, all of these things cease to matter. So where does the wise person turn for certainty? The answer is to God and his word. As Ecclesiastes 12 verses 13 to 14 say, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And it is God's word that shall stand forever, even as the grass fades and kingdoms fall. It is God's word that tells us that the Almighty will be a just judge of everything, including acts that are good, evil, unseen, and seen. It is God's word that was incarnated and made visible in the Messiah, Jesus. He is the only flesh and bone certainty in an uncertain world. He is the one who lived, died, and then rose again, and it is because we are certain of the resurrection that we rest our hope on Him. By faith, our certainty is confident in Christ, the center of our hope. It is the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds as we cast our worries on the Lord who cares for us. 
the Holy Spirit is who empowers our certainty in and understanding of God, who has a future plan for us all. When we do feel unsure, we ought to run to God, not away from Him, for it is written that when we lean on Him, He will make our path straight. When we cast our burdens on a certain God, He is the one who sustains us and never allows the righteous to be moved. Our confidence in God will be rewarded, and when we dwell in God's shelter, nothing can harm or deter us. Practically speaking, if we encounter other Christians who are uncertain or feel insecure, the proper response is not condemnation or scorn because this doesn't actually solve the underlying problem. It is reasonable to ask why they may feel a particular way so that their uncertainties can be addressed. As Christians, we strive for perfection and for an ideal, knowing that perfection is not attainable here on earth. After all, if that was possible, what's the point of heaven? We must be diligent to build up others and strengthen our fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. There are many things in this life we will be uncertain about, but the real question is if those things have any eternal value. Because if they don't, then of what value is it to you to be certain? On the other hand, there is only one thing that we need to be certain about that does have eternal weight, and his name is Jesus Christ. So, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, and no matter what situation you are going through, there will always be many, many things that you will be uncertain about. But the one thing that matters is the certainty we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the only certain person in an uncertain world. That will conclude this episode. I hope to see everyone next time. Take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to What Christian Should Know. For more valuable content, please visit us at chesadoffel.com. For general inquiries, email us at info at wcsk.org.